experience and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. You can always make a difference in our community by joining us in our Action Alliance. It's Broomhead's Action Alliance, and we are we are putting up customers, uh, customer, I'm sorry, community service projects all over the valley. Join us in this regard by texting ACTION to 411923. Text ACTION to 411923. You'll just be on the list of when and where we're doing things. You can sign up for the ones that are convenient for you. I'd love for you to join us. We even send you a T-shirt while supplies last. So I had a great conversation with a um, a police officer that has spent over 28 years of the Phoenix Police Department yesterday on the show. And I've been very congratulatory about this. The city of Phoenix has ponied up over 20 million dollars to recruit new officers and pay them much more money. I think it was long overdue, necessary to do to recruit and retain officers. The Phoenix Police Department is at dangerously low levels of officers and something needed to be done. His name is Daryl Crippling. He is the president of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association, and uh, he was very fair in his assessment. And what I mean by that is he has said um, he has said that he gives it a B. He thinks it was necessary. As a matter of fact, I'd like to hear this. Um, he just wishes it would have been implemented differently. I give it a B, right, because it was needed. I just think the implementation uh, was less than, we, you know, less than we desired. The officer should have been transferred over at the same steps that they were in the current, in the old in the old step. They should have been put into those same steps on the new step. Um, but overall, I mean, it's great. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate that it's going to take the most senior officers, uh, you know, a couple of years to, to realize a, a true benefit from it. So that was the issue is that the young officers have this huge bump and an increase of, you know, so they're going to starting pay over $70,000, but the seasoned officers aren't really going to see any significant pay increases for an extended period of time. They just thought that from that level, it was a little bit unfair. So here's how he described it uh, with the senior officers. And what, how little this, at the very beginning, how little this is. You know, the way they, they did the paying the class and comp study, they rolled in our current compensation of career enhancement points and longevity to add to our hourly rate. So while our hourly rate on paper went up, our total compensation did not. And in fact, guys like myself, um, that are the, you know, some of the most senior officers in the department realized $159 a year increase yesterday. So it works out about seven cents an hour. So $159 bucks a year, but they are going to see an increase of the six-month mark, less than 3%. They won't get more money until at least six months from now. So, again, he was being very fair in saying, overall, this is necessary and good. We need it. But to the officers at the higher end of the pay scale, they are not going to see the same kind of significant increase. This happens in every organization, by the way. Um, when you look at the structure, we um, the, the baseball the baseball strike, so to speak, the ba- the walkout, what happened with baseball. There was an argument not about the upper echelon and what they were getting. They were arguing about entry-level players and taking care of them. In the NFL, the argument a few years ago was about these rookie contracts being given to players that have not stepped foot on an NFL field yet. They were being paid basically on what people perceived as potential. And it, they were not – so then there wasn't a lot of money to pay the um, veteran players what they were worth because so much money was eaten up on first round draft picks that may or may not pan out. So the structure of what they did in the NFL made it more heavy for the veterans so that the veterans were taken care of. And as a new player, and they're all making tons of money, but the new players were making good money. And what happened with them 
is they were able to then earn their way into that much bigger contract down the road. What happened with Kyler Murray? He wanted an extension. He wanted to get done with his rookie contract and get paid like a veteran NFL player. That argument was exactly what we're talking about here now in the city of Phoenix to a much lesser degree in dollars, of course, but the same thing, that the veteran cops are saying, we are the ones that are experienced. We are the ones that have been controlling these streets for years. We, we know we need new blood. It's, we need those first-round draft picks, and we know you got to pay them. We get it. What we were asking for, and I am kind of putting words in their mouth, what we are asking for is that we should progress at the same pace as everybody else, that we should have been at our stage with an increase like everyone else. And um, the senior uh, senior officials were, are the city of Phoenix, and this is why the city of Phoenix said they couldn't do it. This is according, again, to the plea president. It came down to what the city could afford, and you know, their explanation was is that it was just too cost prohibitive to roll everybody in at the current step. So, so that was cost prohibitive. They spent over twenty million dollars in getting these raises. So it was what I liked about the approach. And this is just my interpretation of what was said. And I hope you'll go back to the podcast and listen to the full interview is that they were being fair in saying, I like what they did here for the new recruits. We needed this because now we have over 200 people applying for jobs. We need to get these men and women up to speed and on the street. But what we didn't think was fair was that you didn't take care of the seasoned veteran officers, not to the same degree. So I thought it was a fair assessment. He didn't make it seem as if this was a deal breaker and you're going to have massive walkouts. There was no scare tactics employed, but it was just a different perspective on what the city did. And the fairness in that assessment of saying, I think it was good, I think give it a B, um, was fair. And, you know, again, we've had pretty heated discussions uh, with people from from plea when they were short so many people and they didn't feel like anybody was listening to them and how dangerous it was getting on the streets more than anything else. I think that's why public safety has to come first. It shouldn't just be on a campaign sign. Um, if we don't have safe streets, if when you call 911 and you have a medical emergency, you don't have somebody that's equipped with um, with uh, the right education, but equipped with the right tools to do the job, we are doing a disservice to our community. And this is where I think as a society, we look at these things and say, it's time we focus on this. It's time we pay attention to it. So I'm really happy to see this. Back in 2018, when the state of Arizona, um, the, the whole I've been talking about the red red thing and I've talked about it at great lengths but um it was necessary to give those teachers that raise. And what I thought was kind of funny about the whole 77,000 people marching was that the governor and the state legislature got together and said, you know what? You're right. We're going to get you that raise over three years. You're going to get 20 percent over three years. And the unions marched anyway. But my point is when a government agency recognizes you're right, we have got to take care of these people. Then the last thing I'll say about it is this. When the market crashed, I think it was in Whenever that year was when everything went sideways, the city of Phoenix was desperately, desperately broke. And um, I'm not a big union advocate. If you listen to the show, I'm, I love the fact that we're a right-to-work state. But the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association and the Union for the Phoenix Firefighters all sat down at the table with city leadership, and they gave back real compensation to make sure that they didn't lose officers and firefighters and paramedics. They made sure that they stayed employed. They didn't hire for attrition, and their numbers dwindled. 
So not only have they not been getting pay increases and paid very well, um, they were losing people and over dramatically overworked. This is an investment from the city of Phoenix that's going to start reversing that. And it's it is something that was desperately needed. Coming up in a moment, we do it every day at 1120. It's called Did You Hear This? to get you caught up on the headlines. So we'll do that here coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Phoenix Law Enforcement Association President Daryl Kirpland joined the show today and discussed how some senior officers feel about the new pay scale. There's a lot of folks that are unhappy, and rightfully so. I mean, the, the people that are most loyal to the city, to the department, uh, and, and are out there doing their job day in and day out with lack of resources that we have, um, they, they felt slighted, and, and I can't blame them for that. Should the pay scale have been implemented differently? Well, I don't know. I'll be honest, and he said they didn't have the money to do it. If they had to make a choice between the two, even he gave it a B and said it was necessary. So in that regard, I can't say if the city didn't have any more money. And so what they did was focus on new recruits coming in and they're going to take care of the other officers on you know down the road. It's hard to say, but it's hard to argue with the fact that you've been a police officer in Phoenix for decades and you are seeing a minimal increase while new recruits are getting a huge bump. That does not seem fair to me. The answer of what they should have done. Well, listen, in a perfect world, you'd have had all the money to do it that way. So uh, in, in a perfect world, yes, it should have been done differently, but it still needed to be done. So I'm glad that it's done. Former FBI ASAC Steve Hooper came on to discuss the processes of the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago yesterday. This is the former president of the United States. The fact that the, there was no public statement put out ahead of time that this was going to happen, that there wasn't a coordinated effort at the White House. And now the president is coming out and saying he was not aware of it. Are you concerned about how the raid was handled? Yeah, I think the perception of it here is ugly, that it's political. And when I have somebody that I know, and I know the Hoopers personally, and between them have over 50 years experience in the FBI, when they are exasperated and saying this does not look good and the blowback against the agency could be huge and they could have subpoenaed these documents, this is not somebody that's speaking out of turn that doesn't understand what's going on. This is someone that is very, A, first of all, astute in the news world but also understands the inner workings of the FBI and how things are normally done. And he he did leave the caveat of he needs to see something huge here for this to have been done this way. Is that going to happen? That's the concern. Was there some huge illegality that we're going to find out about? Or was this political optics when you have a Democrat president, Democrat in the Democrats in the Congress, and you've got the AG that we have and the guy running the FBI, is this a political maneuver to look bigger than it really is? That should scare everyone. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. White House Economic Advisor Jared Bernstein on CNBC attempted to make it clear who would be audited under the Inflation Reduction Act. Nobody under $400,000 will pay higher taxes under the Inflation Reduction Act. Let's be very clear about that. Are you still wary about IRS audits? Of course. I mean, everybody should. There's a reason why they're hiring 87,000 more agents. They're, you know, they're not just going after the multi-billion dollar companies. What this is, is an expansion of an agency that scares the heck out of everybody across 
across the board, whether you make very little money or a whole lot of money. And this is going to be it's a source of intimidation. It is going to be a bad thing for the American people. So the way they sell it is we're only going after the very rich because somehow it's okay to attack the rich in this country. I don't understand it. I think it's a bad maneuver. If you're going to hire 87,000 agents, it should be at the border, not at the IRS. School districts across the country are offering incentives for teachers to stay. In Washington, D.C., signing bonuses up to $2,500 for those who can teach in highest need content areas. In Nevada, some districts offering $5,000 bonuses to full-time employees in addition to competitive pay. Arizona is experiencing a teacher shortage. How should we go about remedying this issue? It's going to be a couple of things. It's got to be quality in the workplace. So you've got to have quality of life. You have to feel appreciated. You have to feel like... You are in a job that you can accomplish something, and you have to pay them all of it. It's not just a one-size-fits-all. You don't throw money in a problem. Every one of us, I guarantee you, everybody listening right now, maybe with few exceptions, you believe you probably ought to make a little bit more money than you're making right now. Everybody feels like they're a little bit underpaid. They want to raise when it's time for their review. It's not just money. Working somewhere where you feel like a valued employee plays a big role. Feeling as if you are doing a good job in a accomplishing something that plays a big role but it does mean money you've got to make sure people are paid so all of those together is the comprehensive look that we need to take in order to get and retain qualified teachers to educate our children hey good job julia it was uh once again that's did you hear this we'll do it again tomorrow at eleven twenty, um, you know this all this talk the the uh, the rhetoric on social media about hating teachers and I don't hate teachers at all. As a matter of fact, I, I, t- I love teachers and there's many teachers out there that know that I love them. I work. I've been to their classrooms. I love speaking with students. I know it's a very difficult job. I respect the work that they do, and I am an advocate for teachers. What I am also an advocate for is accountability because of the children. That we are not the system as it stands is not working. And if the system was working and money were the problem, some of the states that are spending huge amounts of money per student, much more per capita than the state of Arizona, not faring much better than Arizona. And so it is more than just money. But instead of us screaming at each other that one side doesn't care or doesn't care enough, what we should be doing is looking at best practices and figuring out what we need to do in order to get the best education possible for our kids. We all want it. Why don't we stop fighting about it and figure out how to work together to make it happen? That, to me, sounds like a more reasonable solution. What I'm going to do in a moment is uh, we're going to go back to, and I'm going to let you hear more from Steve Hooper, um, over 30 years with the FBI and is saying that what he heard and what he's seen with this raid on the president's home is nothing he's ever seen before in his over 30 years with the agency. We'll let you hear him say it next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. I, it is, um, 
The biggest news story that's happened in a long time, it's never been done before. The president of the United States had a raid at his home in Florida by the Washington field office of the FBI. Now, there are a couple of things that are unique to this, and I found this out by talking to my friends who spent between them over 58 years in the FBI, at least one of them, Steve uh, Hooper. Um, he spent over 30 years in the FBI. And a couple of things. First of all, it is not normal. It is not normal for a detail like this or, or an operation like this to be handled by a different field office than where it happens. He said, normally you send a couple of case agents down and it's coordinated through the field office in what would have been Miami, the Miami field office. So it's strange to have the Washington field office carry this out. Number one. Um, and this is coming from someone who was a part of the investigation into the Clintons. So he's not speaking out of turn as someone that's never done this before. As a matter of fact, he said he's never seen anything like this happen before. What he's concerned about, again, I don't think he cares one way or the other about President Trump. And I don't know that. I just don't think he does. He's concerned about the reputation of the agency, of, of the FBI. They have a deep connection with present and former members, uh, agents with the FBI. I guess they would be called agents. I don't know. Um, and so um, their concern is how will this reflect on the agency? How will this reflect on the FBI? So th I want you to just start there. This is not in order in the interview, but speaking specifically about what this could do to the damage or how, what it could do to the to the agency. If this doesn't have a significant if there's not a significant outcome in this search and that there's not a, uh, a, uh, a significant criminal act that's involved here, the blowback on this is going to be is going to be huge. Yeah, and that's the concern, is that you damage the reputation of the agency. Again, my, I will tell you that good cops, it doesn't matter if they're federal agents, if they are local city cops, if they're sheriff deputies or state troopers, good cops don't like bad behavior by other cops. It makes everybody look bad. Nobody is going to say, you're a good FBI agent, you're a bad FBI agent. It's the FBI looks like it is being used politically by the Biden administration that the attorney general's office is doing something political. And what exactly is it that looks political? Well, as Mr. Hooper said on the show, they could have subpoenaed these documents. The, nobody is questioning why the president had these documents. At least I haven't seen that. They wanted documents. They had made a visit to the House before with the president's lawyers present to get documents that they wanted. They could have subpoenaed more documents. Going to the home in the early morning hours with uh, with rifles and in full gear makes it look like a raid. Why did they have to raid the the home of a former president who wasn't even there. As a matter of fact, this is how Mr. Hooper um, described it. I mean, you, do, you do a search warrant and an early morning entry on drug raids and on, uh, you know, uh, um, home invasion uh, investigations or human trafficking, something where evidence may be destroyed. And that's why you go in early in the morning. He wasn't even home. I mean, they could have issued a subpoena and just gone in and taken all the documents or had him bring all the documents. It just is something not right here. And that's what the, the problem – and it's not just him, and I'm going on his words. I didn't talk to the people he talked to, but he is talking about other former agents with the FBI that are all still connected on social media, and they all still talk, and they all still stay close in touch that has left them scratching their head.
and very concerned that this is going to make the agency look bad as if it has been politicized. And so he is wondering, and he wondered out loud on the show, what is it? There's got to be something here then that none of us know yet. But in any case, when he brought up the fact that the White House, President Biden said they had no prior knowledge that this was happening. Well, I'm going to let you hear what he had to say about his time. This is when he was with the Washington field office and was part of the investigation into the Clintons. I was in that Washington field office for 13 years, and we worked some pretty high-profile cases on government people, including the former president and first lady, the Clintons, in the 90s. And that was all known by at the highest levels with uh, public statements out there. It, it was all a coordinated effort to do this under the cover of darkness early in the morning at a former president's house was highly, highly um, unusual. So at this point, that's all that there is. You know, I'm not screaming anything. I'm not screaming that the president is innocent and this is a political hit job and this is all politics. That's not what I'm screaming. What I'm screaming is this. I did my homework. I went and talked to people that have done this before. And when you're talking to someone that has spent 30 years in that industry, in that business, affecting search warrants against high-level cases, many of them government workers, nothing higher than the president and the first lady and the Clintons. When you are a part of that, you know how it's run a lot better than I do. And so, again, and what is interesting is we all hear the mantra is cops always back up other cops. Isn't that part of the criticism? How can you have cops investigating other cops? You have internal affairs. Of course a cop is going to cover up for a fellow cop. Here you have a former FBI agent, someone who spent 30 years pouring his life into that agency, and so did his wife, saying – Never seen anything like this before. This could be severely damaging to the agency if this isn't explained the right way. How did they do this? Why would you do this? Early morning raids happen in drug deals. And and so the, if you don't have questions now, you are too – I just think that we get too aligned with hating someone or loving someone. We just do. You know, I I was so critical again. So everybody on social media because it's social media. Of course, he's saying this because he's covering for the president. I'm also the guy that was ripping the audit for weeks and weeks and weeks, months on this show. I ripped the audit here in the state of Arizona. So the political hardball that we play with each other, that if you disagree with me, it's because you're politically um, you are politically somehow altered or you are politically motivated. I just want the truth. And when I went to someone that had every reason to say the FBI is of the highest caliber and the highest character and they would never do anything if they didn't have a good reason. So there must have been a good reason. And if you don't know what that reason is, it's because you don't know what that reason is. And we might not know yet, but everything they did is of they do for a reason. Instead, you're hearing from people in the FBI that are saying, I did this for decades and I've never seen anything like this. And I'm worried as a former FBI agent, not me, them, worried that this is going to blow up and the blowback against the agency is going to be immense.
Doesn't that make any of you stop for a moment and think possibly the political motivation here and the overreach is something we all should worry about? And I'm going to say this again with all sincerity. There is a legitimate chance that you are going to see a Republican president in 2024 that will be sworn in in January of 2025. Would you would it be acceptable for you to have this happen in reverse? That's the big question here. Just because you like the results doesn't mean you should like the process. That's the issue here. And I'm not coming to a conclusion, but I'm talking to someone that's done it for years that says something's going on here. Something's going on. And I think we all should take it to heart. And just wait and see what kind of a reason they come up with, because they're going to have to. This story is huge. You raided the former president's house. You better have a very good reason for that. A very good reason for that. A couple of more minutes before we close this out. Going to have a conversation about schools. That's coming up in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, one more reminder before the show's over that, uh, you know, we would love for you to help us make a difference in the community with the Action Alliance. We started this for community service projects that we all could jump in on. If you'd like to be notified when we're having a community service project, just text ACTION to 411923. That's ACTION to 411923, and we will inform you that it's there. You can come to the ones you're able to come to. We'll even send you a free T-shirt while supplies last, so I hope you'll jump in with us. Um before we close it out, uh, this this conversation about the FBI raid, um, I will tell you again, I, I am I am as fair minded as I can possibly be with this situation. I have absolutely no allegiance, no deep allegiance to Donald Trump, nor do I have a hatred for him. I don't have an allegiance to a politician. I have an allegiance to a set of ideals. And when an election comes around, um, I vote in a primary the way my conscience tells me to vote. And then if my candidate doesn't win the primary, I vote according to who I think is closest to my set of ideals. The hero worship that comes along with politicians is foreign to me because we all say we don't like them. We all make fun of people that when they become a politician that they've now crossed over to the dark side. You know, so I don't have an allegiance to a politician. I have an allegiance to a political ideology. And I've been pretty consistent with the few exceptions where I admit my emotions get involved. Um, I had an emotional connection to John McCain. I, and I, what's funny is if you'd have seen the conversations I had with, with Senator McCain when he was alive, you would have laughed at the arguing we did. The reason why I liked him was because I was so blown away that he would treat me like a colleague when he had no reason to. He argued with me like I made a difference, like it, what my opinion mattered. And we had he taught me a lot about the process. But that doesn't mean I agree with everything he did. I was critical of him. One of the things, one of the most important moments for me was after he was sick and he was making his comeback, he did his first interview in my studio. And he said, we've disagreed often, but you've always been fair. And I thought that was the biggest compliment I'd ever gotten. And people forget that because of their disdain for John McCain, especially within my party, that if you say anything nice about him, you're automatically the enemy. And the same thing happens with Donald Trump, as polarizing as Donald Trump is. I didn't say the guy was innocent of anything. 
What I said was I reached out to people whose experience and honesty I trust. People that have decades experience in leadership with the FBI at the highest level of the FBI. And when they say to me, never seen anything like this, nothing like this has ever been done before. When the president of the United States says, I was not aware that this was happening and you have this same FBI agent say, you know what, I've I've been a part of an investigation of a president. And trust me, everybody at the highest level was always informed what was going on. There were public statements made. You don't think that the public has a right to know. And it could be cleared up. You don't think that the public has a right to know. Because even if you have a disdain for Donald Trump, if you think everything you believe about him is true, about him trying to overthrow the government, if you believe all of that is true, you don't think that the American public has a right to know why the Federal Bureau of Investigation went into the home of a former president. And if you say no, it's because you hate Donald Trump so much more than you hate how the process is supposed to be. I'm not the one with the issue because I'm allowing the questions to be asked. You're the one with the issue because you're not. There is something here that even the people that have got decades worth of experience within that agency cannot figure out. That gives me reason to pause. That gives me reason to pause. And when we have conversations like this, I do my best to do it dispassionately, meaning the players involved shouldn't matter. The rules and the process should. And when we allow the process to be compromised because we have such a disdain and a hatred for someone, we are then compromising everything about who we are. So will there be a reason that comes out today? Will I come on the air tomorrow and say, this is what the FBI gave is the reason that they did this. And then Steve Hooper comes back on the show and says, it makes more sense now after hearing that. I guess it's possible. But based on all the evidence of what's out there right now, you've got experienced members of the FBI saying, this has never happened before. Could have been done with a subpoena and you didn't need the circus. And so I'm going with that because that's the experience they have until we hear otherwise. All right. Back tomorrow morning, we will have another show beginning somewhere around 8 o'clock. I appreciate the conversation in between the shows, so keep up reaching out on social media. Love the conversation. Back tomorrow. Until then, have a great day, everyone. God bless.